1: Welcome, punk rock kids, stoners, fans of horror movies, and a special shout-out to fans of horror comedies especially. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the party's at my place this evening. But first, school is still in session, and we have some homework to chat about.
2: This was your assignment, and I
1: would like to see the results. Remember to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. That's always the homework, whether it be Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. And remember, you can check out this show and the archive of so many other great pop culture shows at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. And your homework, of course. Well, did you enjoy Monday's episode? You did, right? No, liar. We didn't have an episode on Monday. Remember, it's 2021. We're going back to that Friday-only format. I love it. I enjoy it. We all want more High School Slumber Party, but you got to give me some days in the week to watch these movies, take notes on these movies, and book some great guests. Maybe we'll be back twice a week again. I don't know. But for now, Fridays are for fun, baby. Remember that? Fridays are for fun. Anyway... Speaking of fun, the last episode we did was on a film called Project Almanac, a time travel found footage MTV film. (laughs) Definitely, definitely check that episode out. We had on Mike Manzi, one of our most prolific guests here. And speaking of fun, we have a film today from 1999, Idle Hands, a horror comedy starring Devin Sawa, Jessica Alba, and a bunch of other cool people. And speaking of cool people... Ryan Sticks here, of the Ryan Sticks show. I always have a blast talking to Ryan. We actually had a really, really fun time twice on his show. And he's been on our show once, of course, for Trick or Treat. Happy to have him on. Happy to have him back. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The bell doesn't dismiss you. I dismiss you. And by the way, that person who so eloquently said that the bell sound effect was off last week... Well, look, buddy, it's not a sound effect, it's real. You were just probably hearing the bell from another classroom down the hallway. Anyway, Ryan Stick, idle hands, can't wait to chat about it. But we have some other things to chat about today. And I'm going to kick it to my good old friend, the more, I don't know, scholarly person on High School Slumber Party. The more in the know, the person with his head on that rail, listening, listening, listening for what's down the track. Of course, I'm talking about our anchor, Brian Rodriguez, because this is another segment of high school movie news. Thank you Brian Rodriguez for that beautiful introduction. I appreciate the opportunity you give me ever so often to share the news. I love High School Slumber Party. I appreciate this. So let's get on with it. Let's talk the news, two big Netflix announcements, trailer drops for To All the Boys I Loved Before Part 3. Of course, that's not the title. The title is To All the Boys, Always and Forever. This one looks awesome, and this one is coming out Valentine's Day weekend. And I know you fans of Idle Hands are like, what are you talking about? We talk modern high school movies, too. We talk cute romantic things. We have a heart. (laughs) You know we're fans of the To All the Boys series. We'll definitely have an episode on it in February. It comes out February 12th for that romantic Valentine's Day weekend. Unfortunately, there's another side to that coin. For all the great, cutesy, fun stuff that To All the Boys did on Netflix, there was the terror, the bane of our existence, but the very, very popular with the tweens and teens. I'm talking about The Kissing Booth. The Kissing Booth 3 trailer also dropped. They kind of dropped together. That one's coming out over the summer, but yeah... Looks like we're gonna have to cover that one too. We gotta close that series. Shawnee, if you're listening, which I doubt you are, you don't like horror, but Shawnee, if you're listening, I'm gonna call your number again because we gotta talk Kissing Booth 3. But once again, that's for the summer. Speaking of big news though, we had some high school slumber party news, and I just wanna remind you, you can always follow us and participate on our social media Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, high school slumber party, and we had a huge, huge poll. Twilight. Of course, you know we love talking Twilight here. It's tongue-in-cheek, but it's also fun. Kate Hudson is our co-host for those Twilight episodes. We're going to do another round here in 2021. But before that, we decided to say, hey, if Twilight came out in 1998, who would be Bella? So Kate Hudson, last time we talked... She got a nice little list of us of who were the candidates to play Bella, and I was like, let's do this. Let's have a tournament for who should play Bella. So we had a tournament on social media, and this is one of the most successful things we've ever done. Triple-digit votes sometimes on Instagram. I can't believe how many of you cared about this and wanted to know. The candidates were Brandy, Michelle Williams, Katie Holmes, Julia Stiles, who else? Uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt, of course, Nev Campbell, Sarah Pauli, Robin Tooney from The Craft, so, we had an eight woman tournament, and I was shocked. The finals came down to Nev Campbell, and the surprise, the girl next door, Katie Holmes. And guess what? Katie Holmes did it. She upset Nev Campbell. So, in 1998, if we were to create Twilight, if you were to create Twilight, the Slumberers, the winner, and this is big news for Bella in 1998, would have been Katie Holmes. This has been another segment, an important segment of high school movie news. And I can't wait for the next Twilight episode to hear what Kate Hudson has to think about that casting. Back to you, Brian. Always great getting the update from Brian Rodriguez. Boy, that journalist has a sexy, sexy voice. Anyway, wow. Big news on to all the boys. Big news on the kissing booth. Saw the trailers. Excited for both. Well, excited to at least talk about both. And like Brian said, we'll definitely have the episodes covered for you here on High School Slumber Party. So, without further ado, you know what time it is. Pack your favorite jammies. Tell your mother you're sleeping at Brian's because we're about to get our party on. I leave you with... Who else should I leave you with? Of course. There's a lot of cool music in this, and we'll talk about it. A lot of cool bands in this. But really, it's the offspring. They're in the movie. The song is I Wanna Be Sedated by the Ramones. Class dismissed.
0: 2020, 24 hours ago I wanna be sedated Never need you nowhere to go I wanna be sedated Just get me to the airport and put me on a plane Hurry, 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 before I go insane I can't control my fingers, I can't control my brain No, no, oh, 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 oh 24 hours ago I wanna be sedated you know
1: Ryan happy new year a pleasure to have you back again I don't know if I can say happy new year it's been a weird 2021 but <laughs> great <laughs> to have you back I've been wanting to have you on again how have you been aside from? Covid and insurrections and stuff.
2: It's been all right, Brian. I gotta say, I had like a, uh, had a really, really, really busy fall and like a busy winter. Oddly, but as a result, I've been really catching up on my downtime, and I've been kind of like living in the same clothes, you know, just being kind of greasy and playing video games and watching TV. And then I saw this movie, and then I started to repent my ways.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, sounds like our main characters here. <laughs>
2: yeah, my hand started twitching, and I said to myself, <laughs> I need to change now. I'm like, come on, dog, let's go do some sit-ups.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's a pleasure to have you on again. You've had me on your show twice now i think
2: yeah man it was great except the time i messed up your name (laughs) oh it was at
1: the beginning and it didn't yeah
2: no i know dude but the thing is one of my dear friends was named victoria sanchez who i was talking to earlier that day about being a guest soon and my stupid brain just mixed up everything and (laughs) i hate myself because well for many obvious reasons but beyond that (laughs) when i discovered i messed up i kid you not I was walking my dog in the back alley and was so embarrassed. I was brought to my knees (laughs) and nobody saw saw this happen. But it was like, literally, I could have screamed con at the sky and it would have been perfect. (laughs) But the true reason I was so angry at myself is I didn't call you Brian, the guest Rodriguez, because (laughs) (laughs) as 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 a fan of Sandlot, you are the only Brian Rodriguez I know and I messed up. So you got to come on the <laughs> show again so I can call you the Brian the Guest Rodriguez 50 <laughs> times and you can call me Smalls. <laughs> It'll be amazing.
1: That's awesome, first of all. Uh, and look, if it guilted you enough to come back on this show for another appearance, then then we're all good. So <laughs> I appreciate it. Otherwise, no harm, no foul. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh. So we're going to talk Idle Hands today. It's a movie that originally, when we first connected, you even had mentioned it to me, but before that, I wanted to just mention something quickly on air, because I I didn't think we really got to talk about it, but uh, last week I covered Project Almanac, and you hit me up, and you were one of a couple people to hit me up about, um, so the director of Project Almanac also directed the new Power Rangers movie, I I say new, I think it was what, like three years ago at least?
2: Something like that, yeah, like it was BC before COVID, so... uh... My friends in the uh, web series Yid Life Crisis has coined that phrase so I can't t- take credit for that but <laughs> when I was working on their web special I almost spit out milk I was laughing so hard when I heard <laughs> it. it was so cute and so practical but um, yeah dude uh, Power Rangers I saw the premiere of it and uh, I'm a lifelong Power Ranger fan. And there was this, like, viral video that the, these people made where the Power Rangers were all of a sudden dark and badass and awesome. And Saban, the creator of Power Rangers, really wanted to just cut it down. But it was so good. But, but he wanted to cut it down because they were making a gritty Power Ranger movie that wasn't nearly as far and crazy as that YouTube show. But still very cool in its own right. And uh, I was, like, wondering if you were going to cover it because I would love to cover it with you.
1: Love to. Definitely. We'll talk about it at some point for sure, but I just found it fascinating that a bunch of people, including yourself, uh, just came out of the woodwork just to go to bat for that movie, and it was kind of a movie that was a little bit of a, I think it was a disappointment to some, it was a flash in the pan, it it didn't make the cultural impact that I think that they wanted it to, but I'm glad, uh, I don't know, I, I haven't seen it, so... I'm definitely willing to give it a chance, but it's amazing that I just love when that happens. Like a bunch of people have a consensus opinion and they're not even friends or don't even know each other. So we definitely, definitely have to cover it.
2: Dude, that's because we are destined to fight Rita together in some sort. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it starts. <laughs> Maybe that's
1: the reason.
2: Unite the Rangers, Brian. Unite us.
1: Or <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to go back a little bit further than that. Not as back as the original Power Rangers series, but in the 90s, late 90s, 1999, we're talking Idle Hands. So Ryan, tell me, why Idle Hands and what's your history with the movie?
2: Okay, so me and this dude Robin, we're kind of like Beavis and Podette. All we did was watch TV and wanted to start a band. Eventually did and uh, made good for our teenage selves with it. But uh, I remember we saw the trailer for it and first of all, Back then, we're just obsessed with horror because overcoming what you're scared of was part of growing up. And, uh, you know, when parents are like, oh, this is you're too young for this. You're too young for this. But we were just old enough to see Idle Hands by the time uh, it came out. And we're so excited to see it. And also because the offspring were in the trailer for it. Yeah. So, you know, anything with a band in it, we're just like, oh, my God, we got to see this. And it's kind of funny. A little note about the offspring being in it is that uh, Pretty Fly for a White Guy, which was their hot song at the time, appears in the trailer, but it's not in the movie. They were really emphasizing this old blonde guy is the offspring guy. <laughs> just to be clear, that's Dexter Holland. Yeah, but we I don't know, we saw it. I absolutely loved it. I love the uh, relationship that uh, him and his friends had because they obviously really loved Loved each other, but they really liked busting each other's balls, even in killer circumstances. You can say, and uh, of course, uh, being a, a red-blooded male, uh, Jessica Alba wasn't so bad to see either, especially at that age. I don't know, man. I I rewatch it every few years, and something about it just—it really sticks with me. Like I love comedy horror, always have, and I really found that this one uh, has a true balance of uh humor and terror
1: well i sort of messed up now that i realized speaking of you know introductions and names that was my own personal segue in my notes for you to give your official high school slumber party introduction and i (laughs) forgot to cue it to you so (laughs) we'll get back into idle hands but if you didn't remember you say your name yeah your high school team name if applicable and whatever else you want to say, essentially.
2: Well, I'm Ryan Stick. I went to Vanguard High. It was a private school for kids with learning disabilities, so we don't we didn't have a team name. Uh, we had we had uniforms and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I, when I was 13, had I not gone to high school with all the kids I went to elementary school with, I would have been a bully magnet. But very fortunately, I had some really cool friends and discovered punk rock at a young age and then uh, hid my dorkism with spiked collars and uh, spiky (laughs) blue hair and anything that just screamed, don't look at the rest of it. (laughs) That's pretty much it, man. That's pretty much it. And uh, high school, I don't know. uh, We talked about this last time. I, I had an okay time. Academically, I was a little... Tired of it by the end of it, but uh, the beginning of it, I don't know. I was so excited to go to high school based on all these teen movies that you cover in this podcast (laughs) and the fictionalized Disneyland version of high school or the post-apocalyptic version of high school and Idle Hands. Rewatching it today, I realized how connected I was because all these bands I love are on the soundtrack, and I think I heard their music for the first time in this soundtrack because years later, I would hear two. Okay, sorry, I know this is a tangent, I do this every time I'm on the show, but me and my buddy uh, Jason Rockman, he's a radio personality in Montreal here on Show My we went to uh, Jersey to work with uh, DMC from Run DMC, because I uh, co-directed a music video he did, and he was doing Sweet. an EP release for Free Record Store Day, and we were just, I sound like a dick because I'm name-dropping all these places, but I promise... <laughs> I promise that <laughs> no, there's a reason. Awesome. And we we're visiting this guy named uh, Ron English. He's this weird artist that takes like toys and makes them, <laughs> makes them obese and gives them weird Joker smiles. Anyway, he was a cool dude. And we left his place and didn't fill the car with gas thinking that we'd find somewhere on the interstate. And it turns out that we were like 45 minutes from a gas station and we were almost out of gas. It was getting scary. And uh, Rockman puts on this band as we're like, you know, just trying to cut the tension, puts on this band Carpenter Brute that turned out to be one of my favorite bands since. But he also put on this, this song by this band called Two. And I'm like, I know this song from somewhere. Where have I heard this song? And nowhere in life, none of my friends knew who two were, none of that. And then only mere hours ago, when I rewatched this movie, I realized, oh my God, it's from Idle Hands. Two is a musical project that Rob Halford did after leaving Judas Priest that was in an industrial (laughs) metal band. He did a solo album as Halford, but he also did this album with John Five from Rob Zombie and Marilyn Manson. like. That guitar player that works for everybody. And it was the two of them. And it's called Two. And the song is called, what do we got? And, yeah, that's Rob Halford of Judas Priest. And that project, it bombed. Nobody liked it. But I did. And I never connected to how the fuck do I know who Two was. And all these years later, today, I finally found out, oh, my God, it's an idle hands.
1: I love when that happens it's happened to me a lot too i mean not all the details i wasn't like chilling with dmc in jersey not that but you know i'm such an
2: (laughs) asshole i'm sorry i know no no,
1: that's awesome we love those kind of tangents here we love those kind of stories when i was watching this movie just from our chat on when we talked trick or treat i was like oh this is definitely why a kid ryan loved this movie you know the music (laughs) here (laughs) the soundtrack's awesome and uh it's not it's kind of not fair to call it just the soundtrack, because the soundtrack itself is missing a lot of the songs that were on it. The movie didn't do terribly well, so it's not like a big soundtrack out there. But if you look up like all the songs featured in the movie, it's pretty pretty cool. I just feel like in 1999, if you're into this stuff, you're gonna really enjoy this movie. But I, I get why it was also maybe a little bit misunderstood or also just say overlooked at the time. 25 million dollar budget, only 4.2 million dollars. Uh, in revenue. But again, we don't care about the money here. (laughs) I know that's not good, but we don't care about the money.
2: Oh, man. Idle hands. Idle box office.
1: That's a terrible (laughs) joke. That's worse (laughs) than me dropping a
2: name. Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) That's one of my favorite things about this podcast, to watch a movie that I haven't seen since either the late 90s or early 2000s, and then all the songs coming back to me, or even if they're not coming back to me, it's like oh, this must have been the first time I heard this band, and it was in the background of this scene for like two seconds. It's like that Ratatouille moment where you just, oof, you're back to childhood and everything suddenly makes sense again. So I'm glad you had that feeling for this film.
2: Absolutely, dude. I was listening to it and I'm like, oh my God, it's Dracula. Dracula by Rob Zombie and Rancid. Oh my God. It took me back to my childhood. I'm like, I'm thin again. This is great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So... In terms of this film, so you said you've seen or you watch it every couple of years. When was the last time you got to see Idle Hands?
2: Oh, the last time I saw Idle Hands, but and the reason why I probably missed uh, the two connection was um, last year when it was starting to get a little warmer, and uh, Melissa, my dear, my dearest, and I uh, had been in the house for a long time, (laughs) and uh, we have this like little crappy TV I found on the side of the road a few years ago. And like, you know, one of those old school, old school, thick, thick as fuck TVs (laughs) with a small screen, but a big bottom. And uh, we ended up putting it on the uh, on the back porch and we ended up making it a thing to just watch like some old movies on there every night just to kind of get outside without having to get outside. Keep in mind, this is back in April. When, yeah. when uh you know the, the force was strong and the fear was thick so yeah we ended up watching it back there and that's when i was really reconnecting with a lot of it and just the opening score even is awesome like really really it seems like a more serious movie when it starts out with that that music just Ding, doing, 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 and just a little bit of a dj scratch you know shows like hey it's 90s <laughs> It's the 90s, kids. We're cool. Don't worry about it. And uh yeah, man, uh, re-watching it today, too. I was just like, man, Seth Green still makes me laugh so much, man. Seth
1: Green, we're going to get into him because he has such, he's popped up in so many more movies than I even thought he was in. So happy uh, to <laughs> see him here. This movie is directed by a guy named Rodman Flender. I'm not too familiar with him. Looking up like what he's done, he's done a film called The Unborn. Leprechaun 2, I guess he's most famous for, and this. Oh, jeez. <laughs> he's actually the third director of the project. Two directors dropped out before filming, which is... Get out. Yeah. Really. I could, again, I couldn't find too much information on the film. I'm very curious to why. Yeah, because it made
2: $4 million on a $25 million <laughs>
1: box office. All the facts I could find about this guy is that like he's fancy boy actor Timothy Chalamet's uncle. So, good for that. Otherwise, he's really kind of an unknown here. So, not much really about him. What I thought was awesome here is the cast. Like, there's a lot of people in this movie that I did not remember we're here. But before that, I did remember, of course, that Devin Sawa is our lead. What are your thoughts on Devin Sawa and his performance here?
2: Uh, Devin Sawa, I got to say, like I've seen a little bit. I I think I heard him on a podcast, on Macaulay Culkin's podcast, actually, because Macaulay Culkin had this joke. He sells t-shirts that says, I am Devin Sawa. That's what (laughs) Macaulay Culkin does. That's
1: awesome. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> on bunniers.com and uh he eventually got devin Sawa on and there was this big joke where McCullough is like i can win a fight with that guy uh. and you know devin saw was like three feet taller than him oh my
1: god but
2: um he came on and when he was talking about all the hands he was like saying like how physical it was and i've heard people uh, his co-stars praise like how How well he did that old school style Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keene, like really threw himself into uh, into the physical comedy of it. He wasn't like, oh, God, my hand. He was like the hand was pulling him over sofas. It, like, you have to be beyond Amidextrous to be able to calculate how much your hand and the rest of your body is doing. Like, I found it pretty impressive. I also find it impressive that they try to, like, dollify how dreamy he is by covering him with oil.
1: <laughs> that is so true. So he was kind of a teenage, cr- or no, I shouldn't say teenage, probably like a tween crush of a lot of people growing up. He was in, like, a lot of kids' movies before this, like Casper, Little Giants. Now and then, which yeah. is not a kid's movie, but still, you know, he's in that kind yeah. of stuff. I could just imagine, and I didn't listen to that podcast, but I could just imagine how excited he was to play this role and not be just like a middle school heartthrob kind of dude and just kind of be a, a lazy stoner. But also, like you said, and that's the thing I noted most, the physical comedy that he has to do. And this is really impressive. I think anyone, especially someone again in his shoes, but I think anyone would be really kind of excited to take on a role like this it's challenging yes but I don't know you could see that he was enjoying himself
2: oh for sure like you're saying the cast I mean and his buddies uh, like Eldon Henson was my favorite character from the Mighty Ducks and I didn't even connect the dots that that was the same guy I didn't realize that that was
1: uh I think it's Fulton right
2: Fulton yeah there Fult- you go Fulton I know Reed, yeah. I know he plays Froggy and uh Daredevil but uh Fulton Reed yeah Fulton Reed had a gross spurt, you could say. Like he was just like he was like, he was a giant <laughs> eleven year old, but then he he maintained his giantism the rest of the time and just became the big teddy bear, you could say. But uh, yeah, him and Seth Green are like comedic gold. Like they are so funny together.
1: Absolutely, they're saying
2: basic things, but like it takes two guys who really know how to be funny to make all
1: those lines work. For sure, for sure. You're not the only one to say that about Elden Hansen including myself, it was a weird moment that I had where I'm like, wait, that's the same guy from Mighty Ducks? I don't know, because he he ends up having a really great career. He's in a lot of movies. He was in, like, Hunger Games movies. Not many stuff recently, but he did, like, you know, butterfly effect kind of stuff. He actually, in the Mighty Ducks, was credited under a different name, Eldon Ratliff. So around this time, he was trying to just kind of break out as something different than you know, uh, I guess his child star role, and and I love it. And as far as uh Seth Green goes, this dude just keeps appearing in shit that we cover on this podcast that I had no idea. Of course, you know we know his career later, and he was in Can't Hardly Wait. He was in a movie Airborne, which we've done, which is like a rollerblading movie. Oh, you did it! Yeah, we did Airborne. It's awesome. Yes, awesome. Is it is it published? Oh yeah, yeah. That was like. Whew. I think last year, might have even been the year before. Okay,
2: okay, wow, so I missed one. Sorry, I gotta jump back into Airborne. The, the rock and rollerblade movie? How have I not had this in my
1: life, Brian? The final scene of Airborne is amazing. It's like, it's it, look, it's a silly movie, but 10 minutes, for those of you guys out there who haven't <laughs> seen or listened to the episode, the last 10-15 minutes are just an almost no audio downhill rollerblading race. It's insane. <laughs> Rival anything in a Fast and Furious movie, <laughs> but uh, he was in the uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. But the one thing this year that oh, can was, covered, in, the, Can't buy was me. in
2: the he was in the TV show. He was uh,
1: yeah, and yeah, the TV I, show. Yes, I believe. But he was also in the movie. I think. Oh
2: yeah? my God, you're right. He is in the movie, but very briefly. Right.
1: Very briefly. Yeah. So, so yeah. So very he's briefly.
2: the Kevin Bacon of Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie to movie <laughs> to show. Like there is no other connection
1: between. Besides Joss Whedon and Seth Green. That's crazy. That's so weird. (laughs) And then this year we caught him in Can't Buy Me Love, which is like an 80s teen movie, and he's like a little kid in that. So, like, this dude is just has been on the radar since the late 80s, which is insane. Great to see him here, and you hit the nail on the head. Like, this group is so, so awesome. (laughs) Uh, We'll get into like scenes and lines, but I love their chemistry.
2: Brian, I'm doing some calculations here. And uh, I believe uh, Seth Green was at least, like, let's say fourteen, fifteen, and 1990. Maybe. I, I, I don't know his birthday. But I've calculated that Seth Green has played a teenager for nine straight years. <laughs> that, is, <laughs> that is pretty. And beyond, perhaps. But he played a teenager for nine years. That is a Benjamin Button-type feat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, dude, if you get away with it, go for it. <laughs> and you mentioned in the opening... Jessica Alba in this movie. If you're a teenager at the time, again she's she's 17 when she shot this, so I don't want to get too weird, but you know, at the time when you're watching as a teenager,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. as a, as a, <laughs> okay, here's my here's my thoughts, Brian. As a teen, and I saw those scenes, I went through puberty in about 10 minutes, like teen you see. <laughs> <laughs> but as a 36 year old, almost 37 year old man watching this movie, I said, put a shirt on.
1: <laughs> it's funny that I'm like, wait, is she? How old is yeah. she? Like, is this? And then I'm like, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think there's even a note in the IMDB trivia, like, I don't even know if it was like a fact, it was just someone's comment, and that's fine. They put her in some provocative stuff.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm I'm wondering about the story of that, because pretty much she was on the show Flipper before that, but after Idle Hands, I mean, I think she was the only one that really found, like, success because of Idle Hands. I'm sure uh, some other producers saw her work in that, put her in more things, and uh, yeah, but uh, then she started in Dark Angel, and the rest is history, so uh, good for her. I don't know, good good for her. She did a great role. Just, I want to say a little thing about the, about her role that I was examining. I'm like, I think it's pretty cool, like, Right away, she kind of insinuated everything. She's like, hey, Antoine, (laughs) Antoine, falling in my bushes, come in my house now. We're doing this now. I don't like waiting. And then when her friend was freaking out and screaming like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, she took the shoe by the horns and blocked the fan and the rest almost saved the both of them. So uh, I think I think it's pretty cool. Like she could have been a straight up like uh, she wasn't just eye candy. Is what I'm saying. I'm think I th- I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, a sign of how things were to come or something. you No. Know?
1: Yeah, I mean I, I think uh, you know you're right about that. It's something I took note of as well, specifically in those later scenes. Uh, I wasn't sure where they were going to go with it uh, at the beginning. Yeah. But it was consistent throughout. Like she's net. I get. I was going to say she's never the damsel in distress. She is at the very very end, but. For most of the movie, she pretty much holds her own. And like you said, she's in charge. She's like the doofus bumbling over his lines and such. It was like watching Wonder
2: Woman 84 all over again. <laughs>
1: yeah, If you haven't <laughs> seen Wonder
2: Woman 84, Chris Pine, who comes back from the dead for really silly reasons, all of a sudden is kind of like, it's the 80s. Oh, my God. And, you know, about two hours, <laughs> two hours and a half of that. But, uh, ah, what can you do? You know, <laughs> oh yeah So what if he was a war hero in the last movie (laughs) anyway
1: he flies a jet
2: yeah he does he does he does
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay so just cast quickly vivica a fox surprisingly is in this as a kind of satan hunter fred willard plays the dad oh robert england is apparently the voice of the hand the hand speaks okay (laughs) i don't
2: remember that right I don't remember it either. I think, um, I think maybe okay, it was... I was going to
1: ask you about that. I
2: think it was recorded, but then probably taken out because I just watched this movie and the hand doesn't say anything because it can't say anything because it doesn't have a mouth. <laughs> but, uh,
1: you know. Okay. I'm glad you yeah. clarified that because that was literally my next question. It was like, oh, that's cool. You know, the voice of Freddy playing the hand. I'm like, wait a minute. When did this scene happen? Okay.
2: Maybe it was a delete scene. You know, I'm sure a lot of things got deleted, including an entire weird-ass ending that I watched right before we started this thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I do want a deep dive on the ending. You make a really great point, and that's something that I wanted to talk to you about as well. This movie went through apparently a hellish time getting released. So they shot it, whatever, and then in particular that ending, they tested it in front of audiences And whether it was a studio director, I don't know. They decided to rip a ton out, reshoot some stuff, change some stuff around. And that, the Robert England cameo, I suppose it was, might have gotten cut there. But there's a lot in this movie that apparently makes more sense with those other scenes. Mm. There's one thing I wrote down where I was like, huh, that's interesting. I think at one point someone goes like, go, go, buffaloes. And it just feels like really random and off. But apparently, there's a whole scene about that, like the high school teams, the Buffaloes, and it's a callback, but it's not a callback anymore because <laughs> they took out the scene. So it seems like kind of a hellish post production here. Also, like Ricky Martin, you know, the Latin singing sensation, he's uh, in the IMDb credits, and I don't remember him in the movie. So <laughs> I don't know. I think there was a lot of uh, a lot of that. Did you see uh, Tom from Blink-182 in the movie? No. Where is he? Apparently, he's at the Burger Jungle. I don't remember him either, but he's also in the in the listed credits on IMDb. So, very confusing stuff. This That was another person I was going to ask you about.
2: Okay, like, you are blowing my mind. I looked up uh, some trivia on this movie, too. And uh, the thing that blew my mind is that this is the same hand, apparently, that appears in the Adams Family as Thing. Performed by magician Christopher Hart. What the hell?
1: (laughs) I read that too. So many layers to that. I was going to bring it up because, A, like, did you really need to use the same hand? B, a magician controls it. That's, that's, that's I don't know. I don't know. What are your thoughts on the hand, Ryan?
2: That's a famous fucking hand. <laughs> Shit. That's like the dog from Frasier. You're like, God. Or, or, or Marcel the monkey from Friends. You're like, <laughs> apparently one animal uh, per species got all the work. Yeah. Uh, well, I thought the hand was really cool. I, it might have been like a little nod to Evil Dead 2 when he found the solution to cut off his hand when it went evil. As Evil Dead 2, I think, was about 80, let's say, 5, basics 6. And um, the hand's pretty menacing, man. And, uh, you know, when it's not uh, directly attached to uh, Junior Floyd from the Little Giants, it, it's a very menacing uh, pair of fingers.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's... <laughs> okay, so I found, supposedly, the Tom scene. I'm going to send it in the Discord chat if you want to watch it quickly. It's four seconds long. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Okay. Um. Yeah. Wicked. That's great. Uh, I was gonna make a joke about his guitar playing, but. Uh, <laughs> okay, I couldn't think of anything because I was conflicting me with alien jokes. Um, okay. <laughs> Okay. Oh, uh, here's another factoid. I thought you'd love this school gym where the Halloween dance is held. It's the same gym used in the high school Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie and Jawbreaker.
1: Yeah, which is awesome. I don't know if a lot of this was on purpose because I think it also they shot in the same town as Halloween.
2: Yeah, I heard that too. That's so crazy. What integral connections to horror comedy and horror movies has this this movie tried to do? And, uh, you know, as they were waving this in the producer's face, the producers were saying, so what? Four million at the box office.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Look, I've, I know you saw one of the deleted scenes. I've watched some of them, too. I don't know if they would have made the movie better necessarily. But at the end of the day, I am not necessarily looking for cohesion with this movie. I'm just looking for a good time. You know, yeah, so. exactly.
2: and that's what it was, man. Like uh, a lot of the this is a time in horror movies when all the teen horror was super serious, too. Like, you got to yeah. think about Scream. And I know what she did last summer. Like they were funny, but everybody was playing it straight. In this movie, everybody was kind of in on the joke a little bit. You know, there's a lot of like a lot of eye winking there was like like we were talking about um uh, seth green and eldon henson they were kind of more like cheech and chong you know or <laughs> or some by bill and Ted, like they were kind of unfazed by everything except the part where Devin Sawa was murdering them. (laughs) But beyond that, nothing really, the stakes were never very high for them.
1: No, I know.
2: And another thing, it's kind of funny that they end up being his guardian angels at the very end, because everything that goes wrong in the movie, they kind of provoke. Like they gave him the pants that had a weed bag in it. That gets him the ticket. They let the hand out of the microwave. They crushed him (laughs) with a car. Like his friends suck.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I'm so glad that they suck, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they told him to smoke nutmeg, like, <laughs> yeah, what was it? nutmeg in a raget or something like that. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Let's get into some of your favorite moments and scenes. The opening uh, every week I read the back of the DVD or VHS just to see, you know, what I, I guess what the promotions were like and stuff for the film. The promotion for me was Offspring is in it,
2: and that's that was enough to get me in the theater.
1: Let's see. Here we go. The devil will find work for idle hands to do, but what happens when he chooses the laziest teen slacker in the world to do his dirty work? Anton Tobias is a channel-surfing, junk-food-munching, couch-potato-burnout who can't control the murderous impulses of his recently-possessed hand. With the help <laughs> of zombified buddies Mick and Peanut, I always forget that's, that's his name. Anton's got to stop the rampaging devil appendage before it takes total control of his life and ruins any chance he has with class hottie Molly.
2: I like how on the DVD or the VHS, like, that's the stakes. (laughs) You killed your parents, (laughs) but dude, you might not get the girl. (gasps) (laughs) Very
1: teenage, though. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So you're absolutely right. The way this opens up, though, is... Pretty uh, hilarious watching it back now. I, mean, I think it's around, yeah, it's around Halloween time because it's a Halloween dance. But it, it's this murder of his parents, and we don't know who it is. There's a, it's on the ceiling. I'm under the bed. You know, we're, at least a first time viewer is not sure at all. And I, I just love how in these opening moments he hardly notices or cares. You know, <laughs> I think he like figures it out. What a couple? I think he says a couple days later. <laughs> and it just, it's just—it's a great little uh, window into his life. Apparently, he hasn't been going to school in a while. What were your thoughts on how this movie opened, and especially again when he meets his friends and stuff?
2: Well, I saw myself in the mirror, and I said to myself, "I must change my ways." It was like it was like getting visited by the ghost of Christmas Future ahead of time. <laughs> I don't know. Well, first of all, I—I I found it like kind of funny that one Walkman dies and he has the other Walkman queued up exactly. Okay to the the song but um uh, you know i'm looking back at myself and I was like mom (laughs) we're out of dog food or mom this and that and uh, it's it's funny when you see it as a teen you're like oh man this guy's cool he just does what he wants (laughs) and then when you're 36 you're like get
0: a fucking job
2: (laughs) yeah
1: it's a little it's a little different i actually like seeing it though in the older adult lens it was fun to have the exact reaction you were having in terms of like, oh, boy, what's this guy going to do, you know? Yeah, well,
2: the very idea of you not noticing if your parents are gone, like, for a few days uh, and are missing or something and, and not a the bit concerned about it. I'm, like, looking it through the lens of COVID-19, too, where everything seems, like, so much more serious. And if you don't hear from someone in a few days, you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> so... Uh yeah i don't know it's uh it's weird to see like a 27 year old man pretend he's a, a child yeah but uh we'll leave that for your that award that you give out at the end of the episode uh, okay. <laughs> the answer is everyone but jessica apparently is <laughs> like 40 years old in this movie yeah but i don't know i got distracted by the soundtrack i was supposed to his gluttony and his laziness i was just like "Ooh, cool song <laughs>
1: And we already kind of talked about just him meeting his buddies and and everything, you know, fun that happens there. One thing I wanted to mention quick in case we forget about it as we just move through fun moments and plot points. I love these town cops who apparently were like dorks in high school but have since become cops and just, you know, they bust him with that bag of weed, which is empty, but their original gripe is like why they don't invite... Them to smoke weed with him, and then they give him a litter ticket. Like I, I love seeing that because I grew up in a, a suburban town, and uh, it hit close to home. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Not once did you uh, did you and your cool skater friends
2: ask us to get high behind the gym? It's like <laughs> <laughs> like a bunch of dorks growing up to be cops and abusing their authority. Yeah, you know? that sound, that that sounds about right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. I guess the next big moment I really love comes right after is when he finally discovers that his parents are dead. Like, he's so oblivious. He has that, uh, I think, it's yeah, it's like a knife, and he's spreading, I guess it's mayo, but it has blood on it, and he eats the fucking sandwich with the blood on it, and, like, then realizes. And, oh, where he goes upstairs to try to see when he finds, like, the corpses of his parents. Oh, the cat, sorry. The cat's chewing an eye, but also um, he's, like, pushing his dog ahead of him. <laughs> Bravely. <laughs> <laughs> I just, again, I had a blast with the beginning, but I'll say something about the movie that I was very impressed on this watch. I thought it got stronger as it went along. I thought, like, on this watch, it had the potential. I was like, is this going to get really, really stupid where I'm just going to be bored? But it's kind of a film in two parts, right? Like, the first part is him with dealing with the fact that what we j- we'll find out in the next scene is that he's the killer, and actually his hand, or I guess the hand's the killer, whatever, and his hand is possessed Um, and he killed his parents and we'll see in this next scene that we'll talk about that he killed his friends so that's like part one and then part two is once he doesn't have the hand and the hand is just the big bad itself it's almost like a different movie not in tone or anything but now we have like a killer on the loose in this movie so i I love like the change if that makes sense
2: yeah but and and also it's a way to keep the character of devon sawa you know if you're not familiar with Casper, it's it's another way to make him feel really like, you know, still sympathetic the entire time. I mean, you know, he inadvertently killed his parents like with a hand using his body, but the hand could have never gotten to him had he not been such a lazy piece of crap. So, you know, it's still his fault technically, but the whole movie, you're still kind of rooting for him. The entire time I didn't look at Devin Sawa and say, you fucking killed them. I was always aware that his hand was a different entity. Yeah. Which is kind of a form of bipolar is in a way like you're like, can you blame his hand for him? Is this his conscious? I don't know. It's, it's a really strange way to look, look at it, but I don't know. I thought, I thought it was rad. I thought it was super cool. And the second part of the movie, his friends come back as zombies, which you're not really expecting. And then all of a sudden they're hilarious zombies. And then it's the three of them against the hand. And yeah, you're right, totally two different movies. But had it been the entire movie of him and his hand doing its thing for
1: an hour and a half, that would have kind of gone a little stale. So I'm glad they made that change. I couldn't agree more. So just a little context for my watching. I realized I'd seen this movie, but a very long time ago, I had remembered almost nothing. So everything came as like almost a first-time surprise while watching, except like really, really basic stuff. You're absolutely right. So when the friends come over and... That's, like, the one moment they're serious because they realize he could kill them, and he does. Or, sorry, the hand. Uh, and he does, which, in, in such an amazing fashion, because he's, like, uh, I think it's Eldon Henson who's, like, kind of trying to back away and leave. Of course, he's bludgeoned Seth Green with the wine bottle or whatever, or a beer bottle. I don't know. The size is kind of suspect. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, whoa. Oh, my God. These guys, I said out loud, like, these guys die so early in the movie? I didn't realize that.
0: Hi. Yeah, there's something wrong with my friend. I think he took some nutmeg or something. Yeah.
2: Nick. Yeah? Buddy. I will remember would remember something like yeah. that, you know? Yeah. I'm not the killer. Okay. You know? Yeah, I know. But, but I'm, I mean, if O.J. could get off, then I'm sure. Do you want a beer? No, oh, thanks. You sure? Cause...
0: Whoa. Mick. Mick! Mick! Hey, Mick. Mick! Talk to me! Ah, oh, man. I... I didn't do it. Okay. Okay, I did it. All right, but it was an accident. I can't believe you told me to smoke that shit! Okay, Anton. I have to leave now.
2: Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Ah!
0: Ah! Glad, it's the basement, you can't get out that way! What are you doing, this Anton? I don't know. It's me, on your body. I know who you are. I don't want to hurt you. then don't. It's not me. It's my hand. It's like, it's like I have no control over my
1: hand. So I didn't remember they came back as zombies. So when they did, I'm like, oh, perfect. And their explanation is just so great. Out of laziness, essentially, they come back as zombies. They're like, oh, you know, we saw the light. We heard like Enya music calling us there. But it looked like it was really far.
2: (laughs) That was part of the ad, actually. And they used an alternative take in the ad. Melissa I brought that up. She's like, I remember it differently. And then we looked at the ad and I'm like, oh, yeah. He says, like, just enough different words, but it just goes to show it's it's funny when they make trailers for movies and they tend to take alternative takes. And some of these lines that you get really used to the comedic beats of you go and you watch the movie, and you're like, oh, it was funnier in the trailer. Eh? <laughs> but um it, well, it was an alternative take where he says in the trailer, he's just like, yeah, there's a bunch of lights and heavenly voices. And we're like, too far. But then the movie is just like, yeah, there are some lights and heavenly voices. Oh, so what happened? Or, well, well, fuck that, man. I mean, it was really far. So it's like a subtle thing, but it's, you know. Wow. I uh, back in the nineties, if you're gonna have like an X uh, an R rated movie, you're like throw 'em uh,
1: throw as much boobs and swears in it as possible. Isn't that crazy too? How many film scenes that like you remember but you're really just remembering from the trailer? <laughs> that happens to me all the time too. But yeah, I mean that's really cool to know. I still love again their return and comeback and Just their whole kind of trying to formulate on like what to do. Like, hey, I know a guy who probably knows things about Satan. And it's like this neighbor dude who he, what is he, working on his pickup? He
2: listens to Shout at the Devil by Motley Crue like 50 times in the movie. (laughs) And I'm a huge Motley Crue fan. And that is probably the first time I ever heard real Motley Crue music. Because the first time I ever heard Motley Crue was after Tommy Lee was on Saturday Night Live on Remember the 80s with Goat Boy. (laughs) because <laughs> Pam anderson was hosting he just seemed like a well back then he seemed like a cool dude he's just like yeah dude and he's like yeah we have tommy lee from molly crew and he's like yeah dude we just uh, came out of a new album generation swine and i at that <laughs> point had just started be- to buy tapes on my own and i'm like oh i'll try this generation swine I listened to it and it it was, it is what it is. It's Motley Crue trying to be a band (laughs) in 1990 fucking seven. (laughs) Uh, And then I hear shout the devil. Like later on, I don't even connect that. That's the same band. And like later on, I, I would love Motley Crue. And I'm like, that's another song in this movie that would later affect me in life. It's like this soundtrack is, is like Nostradamus. It's just like all these fucking songs will mean something to you. You like them now, but later in life. Later in life. Uh, (laughs) Yes. So he's always listening to Motley Crue and stuff. He looks just like Bon Jovi. It's
1: funny. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And he. uh, Oh, did you read that IMDb trivia note that he like discovered that actor discovered his sister on the set that he never knew? Like a sister he never knew?
2: How the fuck does that work? (laughs) They're like, so who who doesn't know your dad
1: here? (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's what it was. It was the girl. What does he do? (laughs) If I'm going to be honest with you, my guess is he like he tried to hit on her or something, and they found out because there's not a lot of women in the film really, and she's the friend of Jessica Alba.
2: There's not a lot of people in this movie total. To be no. honest, I mean, like there's a few vi- there's a few victims and some background characters, but when you look at the ending scroll, there's like maybe fifteen people, like not yes, that much.
1: We- and most of the cameos were
2: deleted apparently. So who knows? <laughs> I have this theory. In which there's this deleted scene, in which Ricky Martin, and Tom DeLonge are about to say, <laughs> "Let's start a band." <laughs> and Tom DeLonge's like, "I could, I would," but the alien said, it, and then the hand just comes in and strangles him to death. And uh,
1: well, they should have kept it in then.
2: <laughs> and then Tom and then Tom says, "My voice."
1: Why am I? Oh no!
2: <laughs> they started singing in a really weird, high-pitched voice, and then and then everyone's like, "It's okay. This is life
1: now." <laughs> I'm really curious what like uh, what happened here, but oh yeah, so the, I love high school movies with a burger joint. So it, it was cool to see Burger Jungle. Interesting concept. Yeah, that, that's where they meet up with this dude, and essentially, they. I know they say the title of the movie, but that's fine. He says to Devin Sawa, he's like, dude, just, you know, idle hands, keep yourself occupied and, and you won't do it. And I love this concept, <laughs> him knitting, him trying to... I wish they leaned into it a little bit more, honestly. I wish we saw more than him knitting, just trying to <laughs> occupy himself so he wouldn't murder. Because it seemed to be pretty effective until the asshole cops show up and he sticks a, you know, a, I don't know what those are called... A, knitting needle I guess I don't know I'm sure there's a fancy knitting name knitters of the world out there I apologize but he just shoves it in the cop's head (laughs) any am I missing anything that you enjoyed in the film like I don't want to skip anything over
2: oh well I mean by then before his friends even hook up and this is this is this is a strange scene Like, it's kind of like it's interesting. It's like in a world of me, too, and all that kind of stuff. And people saying like, oh, you know, hey, like this guy was really aggressive or whatever. There's a scene where when he does hook up with Jessica Alba, his hand is like, you know, kind of like not strangling her, but getting like really like aggressive. And she puts his hand away and then it goes back. And I'm just thinking I'm just watching it. I'm like, "Ooh, I don't know if this would run right now. But it's actually kind of interesting because she, I don't want to be like, yo, bro, she's into it, bro, because then I'll sound like a dick. <laughs> no, uh, but she's, well, she, she totally is into it. And then she's, when he decides to tie his hand to a bed, she says, oh, you're kinky. And at that point, like, my brain explodes when I'm 16. But in current day, I'm just like, put a sweater on. <laughs> I'm not myself today. <laughs> in fact, I'm someone completely different.
0: You're so shy it's okay, I get it. So, why don't we just skip this chickening out, sneaking around no, stage? No, no, you don't understand. I'm a dame. Uh. Do you want to come inside for a second and talk? Me. Mm. Yeah? Me. Mm. Okay. Mm. You never gave me a chance to thank you earlier. That book is really important to me. So, nothing cool than a chick bass guitar player. Especially one that writes her own lyrics, I mean. You read them? Uh, I couldn't help looking in the book. They're amazing, you know. Look, I even got my favorites memorized. Devil girl with nothing to lose. She got wind in her hair and gum on her shoes. <laughs> huh? I was like 13 when I wrote that.
1: How yeah, well. Amazing.
0: Thanks. I should not be here, Molly. Safer in here than on the streets, don't you know there's a killer out there? That's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm dangerous. Oh yeah how dangerous i'm not kidding i've done stuff you know (laughs) i'm impressed i never would have thought you'd have the balls to just grab me like that
2: it's kind of an interesting scene to see how into him she was and it almost comes off as kind of like, wow, that didn't take a lot of work to, to hook up with one of the most beautiful women in the world. But I'm sure there must be some deleted scenes and plot lines in which you kind of see that she, being his neighbor, has always kind of been into him as he has been into her. I'm sure there was this kind of like Dawson, Joey, back and forth between the two, admiring from afar, you could say
1: absolutely that scene was a little bit i don't want to say tough to watch it's not like that but it is like in a 2021 it's 2021 lens now yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a little weird but i was like what do i say for this you know what i w- ugh, i'm struggling even right now to think of like not you know, <laughs> not to sound terrible about it but i don't think it's necessarily like she's into it like you said she is but i think the the politically correct way to say it is she takes the power in the scene, right? It's like the yeah. hand has the power and she completely neutralizes it and takes the power away. And and you're right. She is enjoying herself there. And there has to be some kind of explanation, whether it is in a deleted scene or the script or someone's mind that they do have some kind of history together because it is too effortless. I know apparently there were a lot of deleted scenes that dove more into her music career or not career you know what i mean but like the fact that she apparently she played the bass or the guitar or something and we we know she has that lyric book and stuff but this is something apparently that he's been admiring growing up so they had some kind of mutual contact some kind of that also i think how she dresses doesn't necessarily mirror and how she looks frankly doesn't necessarily mirror who her character is supposed to be i think probably on paper she's supposed to be more of like a indie rock girl or, like, a grunge rock Mm. girl or something like that, but she's totally dressed up as, like, the hot girl. You know what I mean? So I think that's what makes things confusing as well. But if you think, like, if you close your eyes, if you close your 17-year-old eyes and just think about all the facts about her, she, she has one friend, you know, she's not the most popular girl in school, right? She... Plays guitar. She's a musician. She has this kind of back and forth element. She rides like a moped home from school. I think she's supposed to be more, I don't know. You know who, well, you know what kind of girl I'm more talking about, like an indie rock girl rather than the the hot cheer. I'm
2: I'm sure like playing in a band and stuff like that. She's just like, hey, I got an idea. There's a killer on the loose. I'm going to wear nothing and walk around (laughs) the neighborhood by myself. But, you know, like I said, it's the 90s. We're going on like 25, 26. 27 years from now uh, ago so a little while ago or 30 uh, i don't know i can't do math dude i'm hungry <laughs> anyway uh yeah it's kind of weird like being grown men just trying like hey remember how hot jessica alba was when she was 17 it's like oh no let's <laughs> step away from that but i don't know i i, I thought her character was super rad and uh, i think it was really cool how she kind of like never she only really loses her shit and seems scared when she's, like, tied to a car at the end of
1: it. And that's pretty much it. The rest yeah. of the time, she's kind of like, yeah, yo, yo, I'm my own boss. She She's awesome in the film. And I guess my point is that, like, I think the teenage boy lens can dilute what that is. And I think, you know, you and I, with the perspective of adults now, can really, really see that. We, we probably thought she was awesome at the time, but now I see it for kind of different ways, if that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah I mean... Thanks for pointing out that scene. I didn't want to forget it. And
2: <laughs> oh, by the way, n- notice that he hooks up with the girl of his dreams when his friends are dead and they're not around to ruin it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> great call, great call.
2: <laughs> and then they're back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and they man. let the hand they let the hand out of the microwave and everything. Oh my god, these guys are these guys are hilarious. They're frustratingly hilarious and uh, very yeah. necessary.
1: <laughs> And you bring up another scene I want to talk about when he cuts off the hand, which I actually really enjoyed the fact, not just because of the whole two parts of the movie like we discussed, but also there's always that asshole. Sometimes it's me in a movie like, oh, if the hand's evil, why doesn't he just cut off the hand? You know? So <laughs> I'm glad they addressed it and he did it too. Because I, I was like, oh, they're going to find some kind of excuse where he can't cut off the hand. or And they do it for a little, like the hand's running away, but they full on do it. So... I I just want to applaud that choice. I thought it was awesome, and and you're right. The friends end up because they want to make a burrito, end up letting the hand out of out of the microwave, and I like the line like before it, like, "Oh, should we clean up a little?" And it's like I forgot what the exact line is, where it's like, "It's not my mess," you know. (laughs) Yeah, and um, I'm
2: I'm sure there's some deleted scene where it's just like Anton, don't cut off your hand. You still need to win the big game against uh, in the Cowboys and the Giants, and (laughs) yeah.
1: It's a precious hand.
2: <laughs> you need to throw a toilet paper and teach it little <laughs> teach uh, that kid how to catch. Okay, so there's this scene where they're at the bowling alley and uh the and the dude who listens to crew meets Vivek Fox, who by the way is like 34 years old. <laughs> so so uh, uh, I was doing up the math and and she she looks am- she looks amazing cuz duh, she's Vivek Fox. But uh, he meets her and then he's like, so what do you do? And she just launches into like, I'm actually a Druid, part of the religion and uh, part of that is dedicated to fighting evil and um, the hand that will just attach himself to any lazy fuck up. And he's just like, that's amazing. I was talking to a guy Anton today who said his hand was doing a bunch of fucked up stuff. (laughs) And I'm like, how coincidence the only person that she managed to talk to in the bowling alley is the exact guy to lead him (laughs) to her mission.
1: Oh man. (laughs) I thought that was really funny. It is crazy, but (laughs) at this point I'm, I'm buying into the tongue and cheekness of this. I don't know if it's sharp enough to quite call this like a smart parody, (laughs) but I I think there are elements of that. I'm hoping that that's like, just supposed to make fun of when that happens in movies. Regardless, I did love their little uh I don't know I don't know if we are identified that this if this dude's a high school student or not.
2: Oh no, uh, he um he's three he graduated three years earlier. Okay, so. okay,
1: yeah. So he's he's legal for <laughs> I do like their weird chemistry between uh between the two of them. It's just odd and, and it's fun. Her character is very interesting, it's very different, it seems very detached from the rest of the film though. You know, mm. she really only comes to play towards the end. I wonder if there was more of her in deleted scenes as well, because she only has a couple scenes, and she's just there for to bring a fancy knife at one point, and that's pretty much it. Like, I, I don't know. I, I was happy seeing her. I did. I think she did a great job, but it was a little. Um, I don't. I don't want to say confusing because it wasn't confusing, but it just detached again. No pun intended, of course.
2: Well, she was. She's like the why. Like you know, his hands possessed why. Well, she shows you. She dresses up like a nun going undercover, finds the last guy that had the hand in a jail cell, and the hand had left him at that point. So he's just standing there dead, and, the hand, and his hand's all deformed because the demon has left him at that point. And then she's like, damn it, I missed it. So the, the hand's backstory and why it is, is pretty much Vivek A. Fox. She's like, you know, she's like really hot exposition, you know, just she's come to tell you the why. Like, why is the hand happening? And she'll deliver the killing blow as well. So, like, you know, her part is kind of integral, actually, because everybody else is just like, you know, stoned or dumb or lazy. And she comes in on uh, like super serious. You know, her whole life is is about the mission. So she has no time for bullshit. Everybody else in the movie is just kind of fucking around. But she comes in and she's just like she's like Batman serious <laughs> and manages to, uh, to like her sidekick is this doofus who like goes to funerals, <laughs> goes to funerals trying to hook up with chicks pretty much like he's a <laughs> I'll call him truck dude truck dude. He's a or Motley oh, Molly truck. Oh, no, I don't know. I can't think of something
1: there, but, you know, <laughs> maybe yeah, it'll come I'm, to us.
2: I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a great name that symbolizes like <laughs> his truck and his love for hair metal. I just can't fucking do it. Uh, anyway, no, she's integral is what I'm saying. She's like her, her parts are brief, but at the same time, like every scene matters. There's no out of the entire cast where people are like standing around calling each other assholes. She comes in. <laughs> she comes in and has no time for bullshit. That's
1: a really good point. You're absolutely right. She is the only one taking this entire thing seriously. I, I know they're scared, but I have a feeling that like if. You know, if uh, he could just live without the hand and everything would be hunky-dory and, like, the hand was still killing people and not him, I think he might still be okay, you know? Uh, She really puts a seriousness on the movie, so thanks for pointing that out. That's so true. Yeah, anything anything else uh, you wanted to mention in terms of before we get to, like, our big ending with the school dance and stuff? We could talk about the alternate ending as well.
2: Oh, there's some boobs they threw in. For nothing (laughs)
1: like uh (laughs)
2: they're like hey two people aren't you supposed to be aren't you supposed to be at a dance and like oh yeah dude let's go put on our costumes and then you know they're in a they're dressed as gene and paul from kiss and she's like help me get this off and then it's just like the only the only boobs in the movie and here they are by a not 17 year old so you know feel free to enjoy kids the part that i was watching these days and brian I, i appreciate the female form i really do especially back then. But I'm watching it I'm watching it now and I'm like, "Huh." And here's this like, you know, this this goddess in front of me and it's not it's not that in which I'm taken by. I'm listening to Back in the New York Groove by Ace Freely. Right? And if anybody, Oh my
0: god. If, if
2: anybody knows Sir Kiss history, here's someone dressed as Gene and Paul about to get murdered. While listening to the soundtrack of a musician that left their band on bad circumstances, and they're playing a single in which inflicted him leaving the band. Because when all of KISS did their solo records simultaneously as members of KISS, New York Groove was the highest selling single of all of them. And that prompted him leaving. So I'm like, wow, that is meta. Whoever put New York Groove on there to, to the only depiction of Gene and Paul being brutally murdered and banging each other, <laughs> finally, <laughs> really, 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 really knew their kiss story at the time, you know, almost
1: pre-internet. Honestly, I loved that kiss stuff. It was, You know, you hit the nail on the head with everything it's depicting. Like, I'm not a music historian like you, but I know enough of that you know and i I was like is this on purpose you have to imagine it was on purpose right
2: yeah well i'm sure and this is especially this is 99 so the reunion tours were kind of happening but i think ace was a little like dipping out of it again back then but actually if anything ace and them might have been on the best terms they had had been in 20 years but then it turns around and now it's hilarious again like i I don't know (laughs) might have been a total coincidence was not either either way it was uh it was an interesting scene and i've seen other movies you know the last time we were talking and we're talking about trick-or-treat that's another fucking movie where a girl is kind of randomly naked in a car and is starts getting caressed by something that is not her boyfriend like that's two movies in a row where she's just closing her eyes getting really into it then realizing oh shit
1: that's not teddy you know I was gonna say that that was actually my next note. It's the two connections, right? Because Gene Simmons as well, like randomly between you and I, and Trick or Treat and Idle Hands have almost <laughs> the same scene with like callbacks to the last scene we watched in it. And I know this is probably like a scene that is depicted a lot in horror, but it's just funny, right? Because it's it, it's just funny. I don't know funny coincidence.
2: Yeah, to- totally funny coincidence. And it just goes to show none of this would have happened if people started doing erotic things with their eyes open, kids. So remember, <laughs> keep your eyes uh, keep your eyes open. Good advice from Uncle Ryan. Yeah, when you cross the street and when you <laughs> when you bang in a car, I don't know, fuck.
1: <laughs> oh man. I love doing this podcast. Well, I hope so. But I love when I cover teen films on this podcast. And, what, 75% of them end at a school dance? Like, you know, it, it's it's cool. It's cliche, but whatever. So this one ends at a Halloween dance. And as mentioned before, this is a gym featured in Buffy. This is a gym featured in Jawbreaker. And it's cool. And Jessica Alba, she's... I guess it's uh, her costume is an angel. Very ironic, you know, with all the death around. And, uh, yeah, I mean, what do you think of the whole... Pre-ending, ending ending here. Going to the dance. There's people grooving. There's hands out, killing. There's the Offspring playing some covers. Dude,
2: the Offspring are playing the Ramones. Yeah, playing "I Want to Be Sedated." And what's crazy is I hadn't heard the Ramones "I Want to Be Sedated" yet. Wow. Upon seeing this movie, and I was just like, "Wow, the Offspring wrote a really good song. That song (laughs) is so fucking good, so catchy." That's amazing. What a good fucking song. And then later on, I'm like, oh, they're covering the Ramones. Because the Ramones, I had only heard their song, We Want the Airwaves from Airheads at that point. Because <laughs> this was in 99, back uh, back when, you know, my, mu- my music pool was a little low. You know, I was on the poser level on a lot of things. But uh, the bands I knew I liked, and The Offspring were one of them. And they played another song later on called Beheaded, which is a song Clearly inspired by like a more Misfits type of their Misfits influences. But um, that's a song from their first self-titled album that like, you know, not a lot of people know. So it's kind of cool that they kind of brought that song into the limelight. Because only like offspring dorks had heard like, you know, that first album, two albums before smash. So beheaded is a pretty cool song. And it's very fitting to the dance too. because it's like the offspring doesn't have a lot of horror songs. And that's pretty much the only one
1: watching it today. Are you happy that it didn't play pretty fly for a white guy? so fucking happy dude right
2: (laughs) funny funny story about the offspring they were playing two days in Montreal on Tuesday and Thursday but in the middle there's like this political press conference so they uh, my friend's band the Bicasa, they open up for them the first day check them out kids they're great BCASA they're called the Bicasa because uh, they used to be called the Bill Cosby Anarchist Society of America oh my god oh this is a long time ago though we're talking 12 (laughs) 13 years ago yeah, when they named their band maybe 15 years ago. And uh, they got a letter from Bill Cosby's lawyers, a cease and desist. And so I'm like, well, they're like, oh, we're thinking about Bikasa. I'm like, oh, dude, call yourselves Bikasa. That's awesome. Bikasa. <laughs> I'm like, that just sounds so cool. Nothing sounds like Bikasa. And later on, they would. I'm like, you should send their lawyers a gift basket because you solved a <laughs> lot of fucking problems by detaching yourselves from that name.
1: Absolutely.
2: So uh, they they got me in to uh, film them opening up for offspring. And then two days later, uh, they're playing again. But like I said, there was this press conference. Now, the interesting thing about the press conference is it doesn't happen in Montreal very often. But someone tried to shoot the fucking political leader that won. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So and it's this whole thing with the English and the French and. so weird it's like some guy said the english are rising and well it finds out later that that's actually a french guy who was pretending to be and anyway it's fucked up (laughs) so long story long story short the metropolis becomes a fucking crime scene right and everything in there is evidence and they're not allowing anybody in there so the offspring are supposed to play a show on thursday but they can't because the place is a crime scene so They moved the show from the metropolis to this place called the Olympia. It's crazy. I ran into this dude who uh, actually put on the first show I ever did. But, you know, by then he had made something of himself. I clearly didn't. (laughs) And uh, I was outside flyering and he's like, hey, do you want to go to this thing? And I'm like, oh, dude, that'd be amazing. So we go in and, uh, you know, I had been an offspring fan forever and what you do when you're a 15 year old loser like me who like is like yeah punk as fuck you uh, say oh i like their first album that's like your prerogative that's all you're ever going to say about a band oh i like their first album. i like their first album. i like it before they sold out but i really did like their second album ignition their first album's cool but it's got some growing pains but their second album ignition is really really cool and not a lot of people know that and later on i would like Feel myself feeling superior to people because I was a real offspring fan. I knew Ignition, (laughs) I knew self-titled, and oh, you guys, you know, pretty fly for a white guy these days. I'm like, awesome, whatever. Offspring, you made millions of dollars, good for you. But you know, back when I was a kid, I was like too cool for school, and I'm like, yeah, Ignition's where it's at. So they come out on stage, and because they don't have their auto tune, their gear. And their little Uber bleebee lobbling and all their pre recorded nonsense and their bongo drums. They're like, hey guys, we're gonna play ignition front to back. And all of a sudden, like in slow motion, I look around. Me and my friend JF who let me in we exchange this look like, oh, my God, that's awesome. And then <laughs> you take the exhibit of offspring fan that knows only pretty fly for a white And why don't you get a job? And all the like, you know, the flashy hits that are full of sugar go. What the fuck is it? <laughs> and I proceed to see the best offspring show of my life. I have never wow. seen them since. But it was just fucking magical because it took. And unfortunately, like, you know, I, I take no glorification in assassinations or, uh, or attempted assassinations at all. But it was just amazing to be able to see that type of that band, Offspring, that were so far gone in their almost per- overproduced Def leppard type phase to bring it all back to just four dudes with guitars on a stage rocking the fuck out. So, yeah, sorry for that long ass tangent, but Offspring, Os- you know. I I have a real kinship and I have, a, I have a memory of that. But seeing Beheaded in a major motion picture like that, like nobody might have ever even heard the song Beheaded had it not been in Idle Hands. And then right after that, this hand comes and rips up offspring, Offspring's uh, Dexter Holland's like, uh, hair off, exposing his brain. And then even back then, I'm like, yeah, that's for pretty fly for a white guy, motherfucker.
1: <laughs> I thought that was... Uh... So cool because we do see a lot of like bands cameo in these kind of scenes, but rarely do they get involved like this. So you know, good for the offspring.
2: You know, yeah, Blinkway 2 were like in American Pie, but were they? Yeah, exactly. They're just they're just observers watching a guy like embarrass himself online with the best <laughs> webcam apparently in the history of
1: the world. I mean, you know, if you want to dissect that scene even further, they're also you know stumble upon a. At least seventeen-year-old naked on the internet. Thanks, Blink One Eighty Two. But otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> that's a problematic film. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, I love it when the ca- the person who's cameoing or the people in this case actually like actually get to do something. It's nice to see. It, it, <laughs> we kind of after this get the get the big finale scene. Well, there's that whole like air duct chase, if you will, and then the. Uh, then it goes to the auto shop scene. And before we get to the actual ending, you and I briefly talked before the episode about uh, the alternate ending to this, which is super elaborate and super. Uh, what Would you say there was like a wall of hands and stuff?
2: Yeah. Okay. So like the hand after he knocks out Jessica Alba, I say he it <laughs> <laughs> after thing knocks out Jessica Alba, uh, the hand ties her to the diving board except the diving board doesn't have any water. The pool doesn't have any water in it. And, uh, the hand opens up a portal to hell. So you see down with some questionable 1999 CGI and effects of the whole pool opening up. And, uh, Basically, she's going to get lowered into that, and as they try to save her, all these hands come out of the wall and start holding them. So there's hands everywhere, and it's just—it's very big, and there's brimstone and fire. And they kind of do a little parody of that in the reshoot, in which uh, uh, Vivica Fox throws the knife, stabs the hand through through Seth Green, and he goes, and it just fizzles out. He goes, "What? That's it? No brimstone? No 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 fire?" And then when I was looking up, the deleted scene you see that scene happen and then you see it pan back uh, the monitor pan back and he's like hi i'm the director of this movie that's actually funny because there was brimstone and fire but i decided that the balance of horror and comedy it just we wanted to go for something funnier to really balance that out because we went full horror and um i think it's that everybody thought our ending looked really goofy and we should probably redo it (laughs) Because it's 1999 with with some questionable special effects that would have aged like yogurt. But, you know, <laughs> that's, that's neither here nor there.
1: Yeah, so apparently this ending tested really bad with, like, uh, test audiences. So we got kind of that. You know, we got the auto shop ending, which maybe, maybe the director's not lying about the reasoning, but I think you tend to be right. What do you think of then, I guess, the auto shop a- ending here with Jessica Alba on the car and... Devon saw actually dying at one point. Um yeah, so what was your thoughts on the real ending, we'll call it? Well, she was dressed
2: just as scantily clad in both endings. <laughs> so clearly they got <laughs> some note and they're like the outfit worked. The hands in the portal the hell not so much. You're looking at that original ending and you're like it's it's so it's so big to actually see hell, you know? It's implied. The, the hand is evil, and you take Vivica Fox's uh, Vivika Fox's word for it. But you never actually see what the hand does. You know, you know it's evil, but portal to hell. All of a sudden, it brings a whole uh, different dimension, if you will, to the film. And they do a reshoot in which the hand is encased in a hand puppet, and they're fighting a hand puppet and use weed to incapacitate it. That is a fucking big difference you know in any sense of the word they did a 180 in the difference yeah i I, i've never heard of a reshoot be that different
1: that's like insane
2: that's like instead of luke i am your father it's like luke i'm your dentist (laughs) and your father owes me money
0: Oh, the fuckers has got a grip! Nick.
2: Those auto shop boys are true artists.
0: It's mighty Joe Bong! I need some spinach.
2: Help! I made that. Blob! You know the ashtray, I'd almost believe, but this? No way!
0: Always ah! ah! oh, wants to get squishy, smelly, gray bastards.
2: This is important for strength.
0: Anton!
2: There you go. And now you take taking Anton time.
0: You're going stop with your friends? Unbelievable!
1: They take a specially made, like, I don't know, tailpipe muffler kind of thing, and it's automatically a bong, and that's what they use to... <laughs> this is one of these endings that you're like, Oh, uh, I see. The original ending worked. So you got stoned and this is what you came up with, you know, I'm not necessarily (laughs) criticizing it, but like that's it's you're so right. It is so different than what it was. And it was one of the most absurd endings I've ever seen. Like, oh, we can't defeat this puppet. Let's just get this puppet. Sorry, the hand too. let's get this puppet essentially high and see what happens. And the timing is so precise for something that's so not precise. Yeah. (laughs) And and she gets saved because of it. I mean, again, Devin Saba gets crushed, but she, she eventually, but she gets saved because of it. There aren't a lot of words I have for this ending because it's just so weird. And I, again, I don't necessarily mean in a bad way.
2: Another thing is that, oh, in the original ending, uh, just to say like Anton has kind of a, uh, you know, he's like a selfish, lazy jerk the entire movie. So the interesting thing about the original ending is this portal is open. It needs the soul to go away. You know, it needs uh, an innocent soul or whatever. And he uh, saves Jessica Alba and then says, take me. And he jumps in instead of her. And that sacrifice actually ma- um makes the portal go away. And uh, but the thing is, is like, as soon as he jumps down, the portal go- goes away and he like lands back first in a fucking empty swimming pool. So you pretty much think he's dead. Hence the you coming, Anton. At this point, both Seth Green and Eldon Henson, they they're they have football gear ready to fight the hand, and then they're walking up the stairs to heaven, and that's another deleted scene you see in the trailer. So, yeah. Oh, uh, up that's in, interesting. Up, in, up until trailer time, they ha- probably had that other ending as the
1: idea. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting to know. I don't know. You know, <laughs> I'd love to see what the original cut was like, but... Uh, you know, I'm okay with this one. I think this was fun as well. I kind of liked the ending. It's, uh, you know, his, his friends, like you said, come back as guardian angels. And, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we kind of have a little bit of happily ever after, I suppose. Yeah,
2: and it's barely it's
1: barely a high
2: school movie in a sense because they barely attend it. <laughs> and it had it not been for this dance, they could have been 27-year-olds and it would have been the same story. Like, <laughs>
1: You're not wrong, but... It's not that a is. thought of
2: homework or midterms or anything, and it's just this dance. And uh, something I want to make sure we bring up is uh, like Eldon Hansen. I, what is his name?
1: McNab or something? Oh, oh, Peanut.
2: Peanut. Okay, yeah. So Peanut is making out with this girl, and uh, Seth uh, and Seth Green is just like, dude, that's wrong. That's like illegal. And I'm like, the word you're looking for is necrophilia. That,
1: <laughs> that is what you're looking for. <laughs> Oh man. You're <laughs> right. Jeez. <laughs> Anything else in the movie you wanted to mention or talk about before we get to our awards?
2: Um, yeah. Oh man, I was thinking about this earlier. Now a lot of it had to do with the soundtracks and how cool how cool the soundtrack was. The movie belongs in a special place and time. It makes me it reminds me about being that age, and I still I still adore it. I think there's a lot to it, like the cinematography like it's always it's very it's very well done the lighting is really well done like in the backyard there's these lights that are blasting up at his face giving you this really Mm -hmm. old school horror vibe when he's even knitting the low light in the house with the zombies like it's it's very well shot i will say that and the performances are good and yeah not not everything is perfect but given the low rating it has on imdb i think i think it's awesome Maybe not everyone thinks that, but I, I definitely think it, it deserves the cult following that it it has amassed over these years.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit more when we do our rating. But I think it, it was definitely not appreciated in its time. That sounds so hipster. But you know what I mean? Um, I think now a lot of people I talk to really love this movie. So And that doesn't surprise me watching it now. It really doesn't. It's a really fun movie. I wasn't bored yeah. at all watching it either. You know, there wasn't really a lull in it. I was, you know, hooked to my screen the entire time, and that's all I'm really looking for here. Yeah, for sure. I adore it, man. I'm. It just reminds me of '99. Like
2: that's that's really it. It just and it. It's not just this. I would I would be curious. Like, so you hadn't seen it since it came out, and all these memories are coming back. Like, what what was your impression of it? Because I'm kind of like I I'm used to it. You know what I mean? Like it's all it's already wowed me. So yeah, for it being for it being a little fresh, like what was in general your take of it? Because I'm sure some people listening to this might watch it for the first time.
1: Let's just then skip to the grading segment, because that's where I was really gonna say this. You hit the nail on the head in terms of uh the critical rating. Rotten Tomatoes, it only has fifteen percent by the critics. Fifty 50- Fuck Yeah, you. really bad. Fifty-eight percent by the audience, which isn't great, but honestly. Doesn't surprise me in a horror comedy. Horror comedies are definitely not for everyone. So you're not bringing your family to watch this movie and having a good time, necessarily. Letterboxd, however, which we've been using these days, which is... uh a you know, kind of the nerds website for rating these things, G- gave it three out of five, which is pretty good. I mean, that's better. my that right. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's better than average. And again, when you factor in that even there's even some nerds who don't enjoy horror comedies and they watch this, then I consider that a pretty big win from the 14% of Rotten Tomatoes.
2: Yeah, 14% of Rotten Tomatoes. There are films in the Fast and Furious franchise that get higher than that. And I'm talking like Tokyo Drift, like, you know, the like the desperation dried up part before Vin Diesel came back. And I don't get Rotten Tomatoes, dude. Like sometimes you're like sometimes a, a beloved classic is just viewed by somebody who shouldn't be viewing it. Like there is tons of metal bands that are beloved around the world, and it's just not my bag. So as a result i'll never review their album if it's not really my genre and i think that goes the same thing with movie genres too like if you kind of hate stoner comedies don't review this movie you know if i just find that sometimes critics that really go into something knowing they'll hate it just can't just can't wait until they wave their wand of like superiority and it's you know if it's not your bag you should kind of like walk away from it and it's a, it's pretty obvious what this movie is and who it's for. So I don't I don't know I on a merit of any movie, sure could there have been a little bit more backstory? Yeah, but at the same time, it's a good ass time.
1: Absolutely. So uh, since you asked me first i'll I'll go out of turn a little bit and I'll take the report card first. I'll grab the red pen on that A to F scale. And for me, like I don't have the nostalgia for it like you have, but it actually impressed me a lot more. Than I thought it would, if that makes sense. Um, I thought the movie got stronger as it went on. I thought it was going to take a lot of lot of stupid turns, and it didn't. Look, it took look. Yes, there was silly stuff in here, but it wasn't. Um, I don't know. I thought it, there was going to be a lull in this film, where it was gonna, the act was going to get old. Some of these movies, where if I was talking about this movie to someone who'd ne- never seen it, it's like, oh, it's about a guy whose hand is possessed, but you know, the rest of his body isn't. You know, you might think that that's going to be a movie that, like I said, the joke might get old, but they're able to keep it fresh towards the end. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. But I really had a good time, so I actually gave this movie a B. But Ryan, you have the nostalgia. You picked it. Going to hand you the pen.
2: Well, nostalgia is a powerful thing, Brian. I'm (laughs) going to give it an A because that, uh, I sound really Canadian right there. I'm going to give it an A because uh, back in the 90s was a real good time for me and my friend when we were watching the film. But, um... I find it really cool. I found the score I well, I found the score in the beginning awesome. It's just I don't know. It's fuck it's fucking rad. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. It's just dude, it's rad. I love it. And the fact that not everybody likes it makes it even more appealing because it sounds like that kind of pretty much summarizes the punk rock bands and metal bands and the soundtrack that I that are beloved. Featured through the film because not everybody got Motley Crue. Certainly nobody really liked two back in the day. And even Rob Zombie's had a share of haters. So, you know, kind of like uh if if this movie is a band, it's definitely a punk rock band that took a stab at the mainstream and ended up falling on its face. But, you know, the true fans
1: still really like it. I love it. And Ryan, if you didn't give it an A, I'd be very confused, you know. So very happy you gave it that A. Totally understand why people love this film. I really, really liked it. I'm sure if I, I... Was really into it back in '99. I would have loved it even more. Uh, Definitely, definitely deserves way over that 14%. Again, unless it's just not your thing, and that's fine too. Let's give out some awards. I have one new award in 2021. It's I'm working on the title, but right now it's called "Most Likely to Succeed," and it's the character in the movie who you think essentially is the MVP of the movie or, or the person who won the movie, essentially like who in here do you think c- came off the best once we hit the credits?
2: Oh, well, Eldon Henson and Seth Green are like one two headed monster. So I wouldn't say <laughs> I like, I like, I love them both as an entity and like Tegan and Sarah, like, you know, is there really a <laughs> Tegan without a Sarah? Uh, <laughs> Upon rewatching, I thought uh, every scene that Jessica Alba was in, I was like, "Yep, yeah, she's a star." Totally, I totally see why she became a huge star after this. Like, just uh, she, they didn't give her a lot to do, but everything she did was just uh, fucking awesome. Every delivery, every line, it just it just seemed like nothing was wasted with her.
1: I mean, would she be your pick for the Wooderson Award, a character who you'd like to have seen more of in the film, or you thought everything was uh
2: Absolutely. I would love to see more of the uh, punk rock background. I mean, they made this big point to say that she was a songwriter. She's like, oh, dude, she's a super cool bass player. It's like, well, let's see a little bit of that. You know, let's see the type of girl that that says to herself. And with the punk rock background, actually, now I kind of realize why she hooked up with him right away. Because it's like, well, first of all, Devin Sawa is is pretty dreamy. You know what I mean? Like he just walked up to her and said, can I keep you? And uh, oh, wait, that's Casper. I saw was this good looking guy. She's seen him for years. But also <laughs> she's just like, this will piss my parents off because I'm a bass player in a band and I like to piss my parents off. The, the, the outfit that was revealing might have also been to piss her parents off. If you True. add that element of rebellion in it, uh, th- a lot of things that she does is kind of like, yep, I do what I do what I want. And mom and dad, you don't like it. Fuck you except except when she said you better leave my parents are coming that's pretty much like, you know, <laughs> as opposed to as opposed to standing in front of them, scant- scantily clad saying i love him daddy <laughs>
1: no. yeah i think you make a really great point she's definitely definitely worthy of that wooderson award and we'll give a uh, seth green and eldon hansen that uh most likely to succeed award ironically uh but yeah i mean i love them too Long Duck Dong Award, though. Is there a character whose omission would make the film better?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Can you go first as I think of this? Because I'm aware of your podcast. I'm aware you would have asked for this. And I just kept focusing about how everyone looks 40. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, probably the principal. The principal calling the sex line. is just kind of like, okay, you need an extra death in there. But I'm like, but that's your only function. There's no other prior. The principal doesn't talk to Devin Sawa at any point. I mean, he, you know, there's never like the, oh, I can't wait till the principal gets his comeuppance. It's just like, here is one of the only adults in the movie that aren't the dead parents. And he just so happens to be arguing with, with an operator about getting his credit card wrong before proceeding to call a phone sex line. So I'm just like, eh, you know, a little bit of a buildup would have been cool. I don't think any character in this movie died and I was happy about it. Like that sounds fucked up to say. But there was no character in this movie that did wrong, that said, oh, I'm glad he got where it's coming to him. Or there's no character that was so s- sympathetic that it was almost sad that they died. They're just kind of like cannon fodder. So I I don't know. I'll, I'll say the principle. You know, he could have went and nothing would have been different, I guess. Or He's not an insulting Asian stereotype, so I'm not sure if he's... Oh, no, a, no it's not to product, that level,
1: but... but... Yeah. I mean, you you were like, oh, I don't have anything, and then you went you made a beautiful pitch for this principal that I hardly remembered until you brought him up. So I, I agree with you. That's an awesome pick. Long duck dong award. But I think you've been chomping at the bit for the Cameron Fry Award. Uh was anyone in this film did anyone look too old to play a high schooler in this film, Ryan? Yes. Everybody but Jessica Alba. <laughs> <laughs> Easy and answer I, there.
2: And when I realized, and when I was re watching it today, I was just like, <laughs> I sounded like fucking Will Ferrell in Taro Day Diga Nights. She comes, she comes on the scene. I'm like, oh, please be 18. <laughs> then I look on IMDb, I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> locking it down (laughs) yes like i said seth green played a teenager for a cool 10 years (laughs) and i think mighty ducks came out in 92 in which eldon Hansen was age appropriate for this movie (laughs) and here we are in
1: 99 so yeah yeah i definitely agree
2: i'll say most that's my answer most
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay ryan what is your idle hands sleeping bag look like you know you're at this slumber party with me and you you brought a custom-made sleeping bag and it it's idle hands themed i was trying to think myself i was it's kind of obscure but i was thinking of that uh burger jungle motif as my sleeping bag i thought the motif in the restaurant was cool very simple very obscure but
2: whatever <laughs> oh oh i know exactly um on one side of the sleeping bag it, it's seth green with a hand on his chest, with a knife punctured through both of them, <laughs> De- definitely. And uh, <laughs> on the other side, is two people making out in a car in kiss makeup, <laughs> with Ace Frehley's like uh, see-through kind of like you know the music, an impression of him in the stars above them or something.
1: <laughs> and it all makes Ace Frehley. Yeah, that w- that would be it. I love it. I love it. Okay, Ryan, you and I are in the magical, magical blockbuster that has. Did you have blockbuster in Canada? Oh, for sure. Okay, just checking. <laughs> I, never, I think I said that to someone, I forgot, maybe from Australia. They were like, what are you talking about? So, sorry. I always double check. So, you're in the magical, magical blockbuster that has every video that has ever existed in the history of time and space. Well, none in the future, because that would be stupid. But <laughs> you and I, we get, we know we're renting idle hands. We get to that counter. We see a sign, and it says, rent two movies, get one free. And I say, Ryan... I'll keep our place in line. Go to the back. Get two other movies for our slumber party. What two other movies are we watching?
2: Well, funny enough, I would probably put Trick or Treat in it because nice. you know, school dance, band playing, climax almost happens there. In fact, I think when we did the Trick or Treat episode, is what inspired me to, to like us to talk about Idle Hands. Um, and another one. Oh, that's a good question. I'd say probably Final Destination, just because it's the other horror film that Devin Sawa did. I would kind of like derail his career into uh, just doing horror films. His words, not mine. <laughs> yeah, I'd say I'd say that. I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think of other like horror comedies and stuff nah, because both those movies are super serious. But I don't know. I, I'm i supposing like even though I don't like it, I, I'm supposing Dude, Where's My Car would probably be a good mix, too. But eh. let's 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 definitely go with. Uh, yeah, let's go with. Uh, trick or Treat and uh,
1: Final Destination. Perfect. I love it. And yeah, I'm glad you brought a Final Destination. We covered it here. The tone is so different <laughs> than this film. and But you need that, you know? We need to change our palette throughout the night when we have this cool, cool uh, two Devin Sawa films, two kind of rock horror films as well. It's going to make a nice night. I'll put it that way. <laughs> oh, this...
2: shit. Wait, no. I, I need to change my answer. Sorry. I'm, I don't smoke weed, but apparently, uh, like, this movie has Jedi effects on my brain. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's this movie called Dance of the Dead that is um, kind of like a horror comedy, and it's about a, a, a zombies that take over a school, like, these zombies like it just happens and it's up to these teenagers that are on this way to a dance to fight them off i would definitely say that and even you know what i'm i'm so sorry for changing it but i got to say probably the buffy the vampire slayer movie because of the seth green connection the fact that it's in the same gym and that's a horror scary movie at the same time as well so yeah, I I would say Buffin the Vampire Slayer and Dance of the Dead.
1: Wow. I changed my answer. <laughs> we were about to pay and you went to the back and like, "Wait." And you got two different movies. Love it. Perfect. Great way to get four movies mentioned anyway. So, (laughs) awesome. Well, that sounds like a fun night, too, and this was a fun night, Ryan. I really, really appreciate you coming on and talking about Idle Hands. We definitely have to do this again sometime. And uh, where can people follow you, find you, and tell them about The Ryan Stick Show?
2: Well, The Ryan Stick Show, it's it's my show, and it's my namesake, and uh, you can find that on YouTube, and I have some fun interviews with uh, the original cast of The Monster Squad, DMC from Run, DMC from that trip. I was shamelessly plugging before uh many moons ago um and other stuff too and uh took a little break getting back into it and uh and i have this other show i'm sure the americans won't care at all but some of the guests are really cool in it called you me and YTV, and uh i have uh voice actors from the show beast wars reboot and a bunch of other shows that were all uh, like recorded in Canada, but definitely have been world renowned. It's a fun life, man. And on the Instagram, you could check me out on Ryan Stick show. And uh, I would love the I would love the follow. You can write me on it and say, you are so wrong about this movie. You fucking idiot. And I'll be like, thanks for the follow.
1: <laughs> Do it, guys. Uh, definitely check out the Ryan stick show. As mentioned before, I've been on it twice. So. I mean, not that shouldn't be a selling point. If you hate me,
2: uh, it get, should. It should be. A, it should be a selling point. I just mentioned. I'm like, I've had Michael Bean on the show before, but that was like, that's on my profile. It'll on my Facebook profile. But then when we transitioned into, you know, uh, this isn't just something I'm doing to entertain my friends into starting a YouTube page, making it a little bit more publicly accessed. I, I would say interviewing you twice is one of the highlights of
1: the show hands down. Humbling, not true but humbling. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, I had a blast and I I met your friend Liz. She's great. Liz Imperiale.
2: She uh she runs a site called BucketList.com, and it does uh, the site does music reviews and she's a lovely person.
1: Yeah, I want to have her on high school slumber party as well. Uh, this was great, Ryan. Really appreciate it. Stay well, my man.
2: Oh, uh, thanks, Brian. Anytime.
1: That was Ryan Stick Love having Ryan on. He's such a nice dude. Check out the Ryan Stick Show. It's really, really awesome. He's got some really cool guests on there, as he said. And yeah, I mean, hit him up on social media, too. He's a He answers the fan questions. We'll put it that way. And like I said, good dude, good guy. We'll have him on again. That's for sure. One thing I wanted to correct... I think I was a little bit wrong. Seth Green is not technically in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie. I was getting confused. He is in deleted scenes. He was in the original cut somewhere, but that doesn't really count. So if you want to get me on that, I apologize. Otherwise, you know, it's a connection. It's still a connection. He was originally cast. He's obviously in the show, like so many other great people. Again, whatever. (laughs) All right, we got to talk your homework for next week, and that is, well, kind of homework for Thursday, because we have a crossover episode next week, and when Ryan took a shot at the Fast and Furious during the episode, specifically Tokyo Drift, I kind of was like, he's not going to listen next week, because no, we're not talking Tokyo Drift again, but the two people who are going to be our guests, Joe Two, and Joey Lewandowski, the hosts of Too Fast Too Forever, the Fast and Furious podcast on this network. They'll be here. But remember, I said it's a crossover, so I'm going to be on their show first, but we're talking the same movie. On Thursday, their show. Friday, my show. And the movie is related to Tokyo Drift, related to the entire Fast and Furious series. I won't delay it any further, and I'll play the trailer. Better luck tomorrow. Johnson. Oh, give me Murray. gold. Tetrahydrocannabinol. I didn't
0: ask a question. Sorry. Were we competitive? Tokyo, Japan. Hello? Can't wait to go to
2: college, man. All that studying finally pays off and you get to leave this hellhole. Were we bored? We will see a movie. The Amoeba. To death. <laughs> Do this
0: by tomorrow, you get a 50. What? We don't have to play by the rules. We can make our own. It's easy money. It'll be fun. We were putting the laws of supply and demand into practice, and then it snowballed. Do you think you can break in? There's going to be a lot of money involved. Our straight A's were our alibis. As long as our grades were there, we were trusted. You think
1: you get away with anything, don't you?
0: you well, yeah, if you're clever enough. Woo! We're making so much money we couldn't spend it fast enough. What do you think he thinking? is? Some Chinese movie stuff? Hi, I am yun Fat. Ah. Rumors about us came and went fast and furious. So how does it feel to be famous?
2: Better than sex.
0: The more notorious we became, the more invitations we got. We didn't know half the people we partied with.
2: What are you guys?
0: A club. Oh, like a math club or something? Do <laughs> you know how you make decisions that lead to other decisions? gonna get us caught! Then you don't remember why you made those decisions in the first place. Get the gun, Get the gun. Boom! When you got everything you want, what's left? You can't settle for being happy. That's a trap. Study hard.
1: So the reason that the Too Fast crew is coming over here and I'm going over there is because this is a Justin Lin film. Justin Lin directed a ton of Fast and Furious movies. He's one of the heroes of that franchise. And of course... This is the origins of the Han character, who's super popular in the series as well. Check out this episode. Watch the movie. It's available free on Crackle with commercials, or you can rent it for a couple dollars without the commercials. But the commercials don't ruin it. Watch it on Crackle. It's free. Anyway, check me out on their show on Thursdays, same place you get this show. And on Friday, you can come back here and listen to the more high school take on Better Luck tomorrow i really can't wait you know joe 2 is going to be a part of our twilight coverage this year and joey's on all the time so you know these guys but this is a good opportunity to check out their show and hopefully it's an opportunity for some of their listeners to check out all the magic and love and fun we do here on high Swiss slumber party oh and by the way the best way you could spread the word of high school slumber party is by telling a friend about all the fun things we do here including this episode today on idle hands with ryan stick <sighs> but you know getting a little sleepy i'm thinking of hopping in that sleeping bag hitting the hay for the night maybe sleeping in on saturday morning who knows one more thing remember guys life moves pretty fast if you don't stop to look around once in a while you could miss it so let's hit the hay and go to bed with another offspring song one that ryan pointed out it is called beheaded later dudes